You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome into the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Today we have Blair Bundy of the Milwaukee Brewers. Blair, welcome in. How you doing, Chase? Thanks for having me, man. All right. Why don't you give the people a little bit of background about yourself, kind of where you grew up, and what got you into PT in the first place? Yeah, so I actually grew up in Texas. I'm from a small town. It's not a small town anymore, but back in the day it was. I'm from Katy, Texas. It's west of Houston. Uh, so grew up my whole life. My dad was a coach, so I was always around sports. Uh and, you know, played a lot, uh, ended up actually getting hurt in high school. I had an elbow injury, required UCL reconstruction surgery. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this have been to PT school with classmates who got hurt and went to PT. It's like the same story, right? You've heard this before. But uh, hurt my elbow, had surgery, went through rehab and was like, this is a, this is a pretty cool gig. I, I like this. And uh, so when I was in college, I kind of like pivoted. I, I went to Mary Harden Baylor University in Belton, Texas for two years. I was trying to play baseball. I was trying to get back to like that D one dream. Right. And, um, I just wasn't, wasn't having fun. Right. Like I, I really enjoyed the people I was around, but I was still like, I felt like bad. Like I was like making my parents pay for private school tuition so I could chase this baseball dream. And so, um, I ended up transferring to Texas A&M and finished my degree there. I, I switched over to, uh, like a pre-physical therapy degree and, uh, ended up getting into UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas, uh, back in 2010. So I did, uh, my two and a half, two and three quarter years there. And when I completed uh, my last rotation in PT schools with Todd Ellenbecker out in Scottsdale. And Todd is obviously a like one of the giants in the sports rehab industry in terms of like tennis rehabilitation. He's basically written the book with him and George Davies on like a lot of how we use biodex test, testing procedures and just a ton of shoulder and elbow research and a lot of stuff in youth tennis players. And so I was fortunate to work with him and I spent a lot of my time uh, trying to network uh, in PT school and ended up attending uh, Houston Methodist, uh, their sports physical therapy residency back down in Houston again. I was their second uh, resident. So during that time, had a lot of exposure to uh, some high level sports stuff. So their residency program is awesome. And uh, it really gave me a lot of exposure to different kind of settings, as well as just met, met some really great people who I still, still keep in touch with. So, um, and that's kind of how I got down the sports track. Once I started working after the residency, uh, kind of serendipitous moment because I had worked for Todd, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers reached out to Todd because Todd's a Wisconsin native and it always helps the Brewers out every year during physicals. And uh, they reached out to Todd and said, hey, do you, do you have anybody? We need a rehab coordinator. And uh, Todd recommended me. So I ended up uh, getting that job back in 2018. So this will be my fifth season with the Brewers. And uh, recently, I transitioned from doing just solely like rehab, rehab coordinating to overseeing all of our rehab department as well as our like athletic training apparatus. So I'm officially the director of player health now for the Milwaukee Brewers. Gotcha. And so you kind of touched on it there a little bit, but what goes into being a director of rehab versus just focusing on the physical therapy aspects? So like, how do you interact with the athletic trainers or other, you know, people involved in player health? Yeah. So the way that we structured our department is that previously from a rehab coordinating standpoint, I just ran the rehab team. Like it was any guy who needed to come out to Phoenix for rehabilitation, like 
our Phoenix, so Phoenix is where our spring training complex is, and we base our rehab team out of Phoenix because of the complex is it's gorgeous. It's set up for rehab. We have everything we need, and that's the best place for us to do this, especially like from a weather standpoint. Like we don't have rainouts for rehab stuff, right? So we're set up there very nicely. But um, so traditionally, just rehab coordinating, I was like basically overseeing that team and making sure that like anything that like lived in that universe, I was responsible for, right? Whether that was doctor's appointments, so scheduling surgery, scheduling follow-ups, you know, return to play progressions, discussing things with the front office in terms of, hey, here's our expected return date, you know, liaising with the front office, things like that. Like that was my role. Now as the director of health, I've also encompassed like athletic training staff, minor league athletic training staff. So I basically oversee um, all of our minor league athletic trainers who are uh, based in uh, the United States domestically. And I work with our assistant director of player health to manage uh, the Dominican Republic teams we have as well. So it's a lot more uh, depth and breadth in terms of like kind of day to day and also looking at not just the chronic or the surgical stuff, but also the acute. How are we managing this, you know, kind of like more of the day to day, which has been for me, who I'm not an athletic trainer. I was you know, I didn't uh, didn't have that luxury back when I was in school, but I, I work with a lot of really good athletic trainers now. So I've been able to learn a lot from them in terms of you know, how do you manage this type of stuff? Like what are some of the challenges you face? And that's kind of my role now, too, is like to make sure that everybody at the affiliates or their, at their uh, locations has the resources they need to do their job effectively. OK. And, you know, as you kind of manage almost three different branches and multiple different locations, what are some challenges that you faced, you know, compared to when you were just working on the rehab side for uh, like long term post ops and long term rehab care? It's just a lot of balls in the air, right? So it's a lot of just being able to uh, keep all the plates spinning, so to speak. You know, we've always got things going on. Uh, I'm very fortunate that I work with a lot of really good people who are organized and are good communicators. And I think that's honestly like the biggest thing. Like if we weren't good at communicating with each other, like this would be a much harder job. So uh, my coworkers make my life a lot easier in that regard. So as you're in charge of all of these different clinicians, you know, let's say you're bringing someone on or even people that you've worked with for a long time since you've been there, what's something that you notice is, you know, mm -hmm. kind of characterizes a good sports clinician, whether it be a PT or an AT or any other member on the sports medicine team? I mean, like it's, it's really two big things. Like number one is like, there has to be a level of empathy here, right? Where you're trying to make sure that we are understanding where the athlete's coming from and meeting them at that location. Like you can't have a one size fits all approach. You can't, it can't be my way or the highway. Like, we're creating a partnership with our athletes to make sure they get what they need. And then the second thing is just like, we're it's an outcome driven profession. At the end of the day, like it really does matter if people get better or not. Right. When I was in my, uh, my residency program, I was fortunate enough to do some stuff with the Houston Texans. And I remember we did that. We did some uh, preseason football game coverage. Like I was on the sideline, like kind of living the dream. Right. And uh, we, after the game, we sat in the parking lot, we had a couple beers and he was asking me, he was like, Hey, how's your job? And uh, Methodist going, I was, ah, it's, it's good, man. Just, you know, waiting for you guys to give me a, hire me, that kind of thing. And he kind of looked at me, he was like, man, must be nice to have a job where it doesn't matter if people get better or not. And I remember being like, what, like, what, Dude, like, come on, that, like, <laughs> that was rude, right? But at the end of the day, like, he's right. Like, every single person that you touch in professional sports, like, it matters if they get better or not. Like, it's their career, it's their livelihood. And there's a lot of things, like, that we don't think about behind the scenes from a roster construction standpoint, a front office standpoint, where, like, the health of that player matters. And so the stakes are just higher. So it's having a clinician who can, you know, really connect with the athletes and make sure they're meeting them where they're at. And also at the same time, like be pushing themselves to make sure that we are doing everything we can to 
get this athlete back on the field and, and to keep them on the field. We don't want repeat offenders, right? So I'd say those are the big two characteristics. Gotcha. And what do you do as a, you know, um, if you, as a clinician or what do you do as like kind of the director to kind of ensure that the athlete gets back there quickly as possible, but as safely as possible in terms of like, you know, establishing, you know, timelines for a turn and communicating with coaches and front office personnel to make sure everyone is on the same page. What, what kind of goes into that? It's, I'm going to go back to communication, right? It's a lot of communication in terms of kind of making sure that from my end, like my progression is sound, that I'm making good clinical decisions. I am like trying to be objective in the way that I'm thinking about return to sport, right? Am I, am I using good outcome measures? Am I, am I proving to me and to the athlete that they're ready to go back on the field? Am I making my rehab scenarios as realistic as possible to simulate the stress of a competitive baseball game? Like there's a, there's a certain gap between I'm throwing a bullpen to I'm pitching in front of 35,000 people. And I, I can't bridge that gap, but I, I can do everything I can to get as close to them, like to, to, to make that as narrow as possible to give them the best outcomes. Right. So I'm thinking about like those big things in terms of, uh, am I making good decisions? Am I trying to make this as, as realistic as possible? And then like, ultimately does the athlete bought in and trust my plan? Like, cause again, like it has to be a collaboration. Does, does the athlete believe that like I have their best interest in mind? Are they, bought into how I'm thinking about progressing their activities. And then like, same thing too, like, am I giving realistic timelines to my front office staff? Who's like, Hey, can we, can we expect them by this date, this date? Like I'm just trying to over communicate to make sure everyone has the right information to make sure everyone can then like make those decisions. Okay. Um, so kind of speaking more on that, let's say take it for example, that player that's kind of bridging the gap between going from the bullpen to, you know, pitching or starting or being back on the field. Um, what's kind of your take on where the physical therapy or rehab line is between, you know, end phase rehab, return to sport versus sports specific and what is handled by, you know, getting them back on the field with the position coaches. Kind of where does that line delineate? I know it's kind of a gray area, but what's your yeah. kind of take on that? No, so I, I look at it like a pie, Chase. I think that at the beginning of rehab, when I've got someone on the table more, more frequently, we're doing a lot of like, you know, stuff in the training room. We are, we're inside a lot. Like my piece of the pie for that, their day is big. Like I have a lot of it. Um, I'm responsible for a lot of it, but as we get further into the rehab, it's getting more functional. It's getting more, you know, close to return to sport. Like the strength coach is going to have a bigger piece of that pie. The position coach is going to have a bigger piece of that pie. And I have to make sure that what I'm doing then on my end, whether it's the front or the back or like the preparation, the recovery, how am I supporting the athlete's goal? Right. So, and again, it's going to go back to constant communication with our team, but like, that, that's kind of how I t- tend to look at it is it, it never really goes away. And I really try to make sure that when an athlete re- leaves rehab, like they have some skills to take with them back to the affiliate to keep them healthy. But that piece of the pie is going to just basically change depending upon like where they're at and how much they need me. Like my, my goal is that they're pretty self-sufficient by the end of rehab. And so kind of speaking in that, like communication with the larger sports medicine team, um, this is a, mostly PT focused podcasts and a little biased since I am a PT, but how do you sure. think, or what do you think that yeah. PTs can do more or better to kind of like advocate for themselves or not advocate for themselves, but advocate for the profession in a larger sports medicine team? So I do think there's this weird uh, kind of struggle or power struggle between athletic trainers and physical therapists in terms of who owns what, right. And we've got to find a way to kind of put our egos aside and find a way to work together because like, in my opinion, like the best care the athlete's going to get 
if it's physician, athletic trainer, and physical therapist all on the same page, and then you got a strength coach in there, everyone's on the same page, and the athlete always understands what the big plan is. So I, I would say that at the end of the day, like, Chase, we're trying to make sure that we are doing more to come together <laughs> as sports medicine professionals in terms of how do we get better outcomes for the athlete than, like, who owns the space, right? You, you played uh, baseball in college, and so for someone that wants to work in sports – even if it's a sport they didn't grow up playing, even at like a you know high school or recreational mm-hmm. level, um, what's some advice that you would give to someone that wants to be involved in a sport uh, that they didn't, you know, officially play at any sort of competitive level, um, even though they you know continue to love it and love all the aspects of it? How would you what would you recommend to that person? So I would say the the thing that being like knowledgeable in the sport that you're re- kind of working with it's going to help you is it's going to facilitate buy-in from the athlete because they know that like you understand the demands of their position or potentially their role. And you can then like work backwards accordingly to make sure that like I'm providing, you know, stops along the way that are going to simulate certain stresses you may face on the field, or maybe our functional outcome measures or functional testing may be more specific to that uh, position or that task. So I think that the like domain knowledge you kind of have from the sport is going to basically like it's going to make you a better clinician because you're going to be able to think, okay, like how do I put the right stress on their body? Right. And then at the same time, from the athlete standpoint, it's going to say, Oh, this makes sense. Like, this is how I, this is kind of how I cut or how I move. And like, it's going to feel hopefully familiar to them. And then like from that end, if it feels familiar to the athlete and they feel strong in these positions and other sport demands, like all you're doing is building confidence. And I tell these, I tell athletes all the time, like, I don't care. Like, the only thing I care about how you feel is confident. Like, don't don't tell me one to ten pain. Don't tell me stiff, not stiff. How confident do you feel? Can you go get outs right now? Can you go and put the bat on the ball right now? Like, that to me is the ultimate thing because you can say, hey, my shoulder feels great. But if you're not confident, like, it doesn't mean you're going to go out there and perform. And so I'm chasing confident all the time. And I think, again, like having that domain knowledge of the sport, it's going to hopefully make sure the athletes kind of bought into my vision or like our shared vision. And it does increase that confidence, which, you know, my opinion is going to give you the best outcomes. Because that's something that I always come across. Let's say I were to have, you know, a high school diver. I personally have never done competitive diving. Like the most diving I've done is mm-hmm. cannonballs into the pool, right? But I want to make sure that I, you know, <laughs> understand or like, what are some things that you do? Obviously, you work in one particular setting with baseball, but like, what are some things that you do to kind of make sure that you understand mm-hmm. what demands, like, let's say, you were a pitcher, but you are working with a catcher who obviously has different demands from the sport. So what are some things that you do to kind of understand those um, unique needs from each position to sport? Sure. So, I mean, first and foremost, I watch the sport, right? So if I'm looking, if I'm working with a catcher per se, I may get a better understanding of kind of like, how do they set up? Like what, what kind of things do they need to be doing like during the inning or during their game? And then how do I, again, like, how do I create like some robust positions for them to kind of, to master that? And I'm also, you know, I'm fortunate to work with really good coaches so I can ask these questions to and say, Hey, like as part of their return to play progression, can I include some of the drills you guys do? Like, you're thinking about like how to make it as what they're, what they're like used to, what's normal for them in the day to day. How do I make that part of their rehab? And then same thing, like it's just collaborating with that coaching staff and kind of we're demonstrating our value and kind of our knowledge to them. And, and I'm hoping to learn from them too, to say, okay, like how can this make me better at my job? Like working with hitters, you know, I, uh, I don't work with near as many hitters. I do pitchers like pitchers just get hurt more often in baseball. Right. So I'm still learning about how to make 
like my hitting progressions better, how to make them uh, more game-like, more challenging, more stressful. Like how do I create some checks and balances within their progression that's going to like stress them appropriately, like, all these things. And, you know, there's a lot of little components to like the hitting that I haven't mastered yet. So I, it's just, you know, I'm fortunate to be in a position though where I can, I can ask good questions from people around me and I can, I can learn. Gotcha. All right. So kind of a little bit more, less clinical question. Um, tell us about like a day in the life for you as like director of player health. What are some things that, you know, on a, let's say a game day versus a, you know, a practice day, um, sure. what goes into being you, I guess. Well, I'll do, I'll do you one better. So like, I'm, I'm fortunate Chase, in that like, I don't have, I don't necessarily worry about game day, not game day. Right. Like I, mm -hmm. I work in Arizona, I work in Phoenix in, in our spring training complex. And so if there, if there's a game in Milwaukee, it doesn't affect me. Right. I don't, I don't have to yeah. travel very much. I'm, I'm fortunate that in professional sports, I have a job where I can come home and, and see my family almost every day. And I, I can spend time with my kids. Like I'm very blessed in that regard, but there are times in the calendar year where my schedule changes. And so I'll kind of break it up into three spring training kind of in season and off season. So um, everyone gets excited for spring training. It's cool. It's a new, new year. It's fresh. The calendar's rolled over. Like spring training is a grind, man. It's, it's uh, seven days a week. It's long days. You usually start pretty early in the morning around between you know, six and seven and you're going, you know, till sometimes when the sun goes down, uh, those are long days and they can kind of, you know, everyone's kind of excited for a couple of weeks and then everyone's like, all right, let's, let's get this going. Let's, let's go play games. Right. It's, so it's kind of getting through that challenging season, uh, spring training where it's just day after day and you're just tired. Right. It's just a lot of hours. And, uh, it's, it's a fun time. You get to see the rest of the staff. You don't normally get to see who are potentially in Milwaukee or potentially a Dominican or different affiliates who are, aren't based in Arizona. So I get to kind of like catch up with everybody and enjoy that. But it's just, those are long days, seven days a week. When we go in season, you know, it, it changes. Um, at Arizona, we kind of go through an extended spring training period. We have the Arizona Complex League. Then we go into our off-season program. And so I usually mimic their schedule where I'll basically keep my Monday through Saturday as those are, you know, rehab days. I'm in the complex. I'm doing things. And Sundays, I'm off. And I say off, like my phone goes off on Sunday. We play games at, you know, affiliates or in the major leagues on Sunday. But uh, I'm not physically at the complex. So I try to use that day to, you know, help my wife out with stuff around the house I've missed all week or whatever else. And then – uh so that's kind of our in-season schedule and in the off-season, it's what we're doing now. Uh, it's kind of more of your nine to five, you know, kind of show up, do rehab, maybe get some paperwork in, you know, a lot of, with the pandemic, we've all learned how to get really good at Zoom, right? So a lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of things like that and uh, catching up on emails and administrative stuff and going home, uh, trying to, again, like kind of catch up with my family and prioritize them more in that time. Cause I know that when spring training rolls around, like I gotta kind of be there all the time again. So. Uh, not a again for working in professional sports. I know I have it really good. I know I'm blessed and fortunate to be able to see my kids and my family every day. And uh, there's a lot of other people who work in pro sports who don't get that luxury. So uh, yeah, I'd say this from that in the rehab standpoint, like it's it's pretty good. So even though you work in Arizona, uh, kind of like for a uh, fun question, I always like to ask: What's um, one of your favorite memories that you've had while working with the Brewers, um, whether it be games or kind of even just working with people that you work work with every day? or any particular players rehab? Yeah. Um, I mean, like my first year here was in 18 and we made the playoffs that year. We went to the NLCS, played the Dodgers. And I got to go up to, you know, Miller Park at the time and uh, watch the game, just be a fan. And like, it's just interesting because, you know, you're, you're like my, I'll put, I'll put the game on TV a lot of times. And my, my son's like, oh, dad, those are friends from work. I'm like, those are my friends from work. Right. So uh, <laughs> it's cool to be able to go up there and like watch a game as a fan and 
kind of see the final product, right? You know, whether you did rehab with these guys or just you got to like pass them in the hallway in spring training and say, what's up? Like, it's cool to kind of be connected in that way. And then to be around the game and as excited in the playoff baseball is you know, blast. You're on your feet the whole time. So I would say probably like getting to see the team uh, compete in 18 was, was pretty awesome. All right. And then I got one last question for you. Do you have any advice for any aspiring sports PTs, um, whether they're an undergrad, a PT school or, you know, young professionals? Absolutely. Um, the one thing I'll say for anybody who wants to work in baseball, especially if you're an undergrad, is if you're an undergrad and you have the opportunity to kind of be that dual certified clinician, like try to do that. It definitely opens up some doors. Like I was, like I told you, I was very fortunate to uh, be in a uh, sports residency. I made some really good connections that way. And I ended up getting my foot in the door, but uh, that isn't necessarily the easy thing to do if you're not dual certified. So I would say if you have the opportunity to like kind of potentially do both like that, that's a, it's going to put your resume a little bit higher in the stack, so to speak. If you want to work in baseball specifically, learn Spanish. Like 30% of our population is Spanish speaking. Um, you know, you, you take Spanish as an elective in high school and you kind of blow it off. Like I I am so envious of people who are, are like just fluent. Like all I know is like the cuss words in Spanish these days, right? Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's terrible. But I am, uh, that is a huge game changer in terms of, again, cause like one of the recurring themes I, I hope I'm getting across is, you know, being a good communicator. And, you know, if you're, primary language is Spanish. It's, it's hard for me to be a good communicator if I'm not able to meet you where you're at. And so even being able just to try speaking Spanish and show the athlete I'm making an effort to kind of meet, like they respect that. And they're gonna get, like, you know, I'm going to say words terribly. I'm, I'm not going to roll my eyes the right way or whatever, but like they're going to respect me trying to, to meet them at their kind of common language. So learning Spanish is a huge positive skill set for a, a, someone who wants to be a baseball clinician. Um, and honestly, man, just like at that point, it's just like you're networking, you know, you're trying to, as a young clinician, uh, go to the conferences, like your ASMI injuries in sports medicine, your, uh, your game changing concepts. I know they got that one out in the East coast. Um, there's different, you know, courses people put on all the time, which are very good. And like, so there's some really, really smart physicians who, and PTs and other people who speak at these conferences and you can learn a lot, but also you're going to have the opportunity to network a lot. Right. So it's being able to you know, put some names to faces, uh, being able to kind of just kind of get your foot in the door. And once you get your foot in the door, you find like how to keep your foot in that door. But that to me is the biggest thing is just trying to like network your way into it. Uh, and honestly, like a good P a good sports PT never stops learning. Uh, one of the mentors I had when I was with the Texans as well, he told me, he was like, Hey, look, like if you want to keep working in sports, you're gonna, you're going to work with a lot of athletes who are on top of stuff. They're going to know what the treatment stuff is out there. They're going to have, access to different resources. Uh, so they're going to know if you're on it or you're not on it. So, you know, there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that in terms of making sure that am I doing everything I can to provide the highest level of care to really embody that expert role. Right. So you have to kind of, again, like that's, that's your commitment to the athlete is I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that you are getting what you need. And if you're not, I don't have an ego to say, like, oh, well, like, I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to ask other people. I'm going to try to ask for help. Like, I'm going, because again, like I told you about outcomes, like we are an outcome driven profession and we are going to do whatever it takes to make sure that we meet our goals. Now, you can't fix everybody, right? Like, that's, that goes for an outpatient setting or a professional sports setting. You can't fix everybody. And it's one of the hardest lessons you learn as a clinician. I'm still like struggling with it because you want to be perfect, 
right? So you have to learn that like, despite your best efforts, sometimes like things just don't go your way and that, and that sucks. And you have to learn to live with that. And you have to hope that, that makes you better, like to drive you to be a little bit like, how do I like do this a little bit faster next time? Or I recognize this a little bit sooner next time or, you know, whatever you can do to drive, make you better. But um, you, you can never stop learning and pushing yourself or people are going to rec- realize that and you're going to kind of get passed by. So uh, those are the big ones, Chase. Those are the big ones. Okay. I think that's great advice. And, uh, you know, something that I personally will take into consideration, you know, as I kind of grow in my career and hopefully everyone else that is listening can do that. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to plug before we get you out of here? Um, not plug specifically. I will say this, like if there's people out there who are, uh, you know, interested in getting more into sports, you know, I've touched on this a couple of times, but like a residency program, a fellowship program, um, I know they keep growing and growing in terms of what, is out there and what's what's offered and i would say like if you are interested in you know working in sports a, a residency or a fellowship is a really good way to again like doing some networking getting your foot in the door but also just get some experiences you never would have had like as a normal pt like i can distinctly remember like being three months out of pt school and i was in like texans otas like doing stuff with the, the nfl and it was like wow like i was <laughs> i was just taking my board exam this is wild right but you're you're exposed to some really cool stuff and i mean like with the with the residency i did in houston like i saw like professional bull riding i saw professional baseball nfl we saw uh the dynamo the mls team we saw like rice university athletics uh and there was a houston ballet so if you're thinking about like Hey, like if I'm worried about rehabbing an ACL, well, okay, cool. Like I know what an ACL looks like from return to sport from a football, a you know, ballet, a baseball, a basketball. I've seen all of that. And so uh it's gonna provide you with some really cool opportunities in terms of you know, furthering your education. I, I think they talk about like a residency program. I remember hearing this. It's like three years of experience rolled into one. And I remember like when I was like seven or eight months into a residency, like, I definitely felt that way because I was just tired because uh, <laughs> kind of go, go, go. Right. And I have a spouse who's very understanding, but uh, so she, uh, she helped me through that. But yeah, um, I would say that like the residencies and the fellowships out there, like I am a huge proponent for um, continuing, continuing your education through that, finding your specialty through that. Uh, I do think that that is one of the best ways to, if you're not that dual certified clinician who's already bilingual, in which case you're the unicorn, go get your job. But if you're not, those residency and fellowship programs are awesome. And they can, uh, like we said, like really expose you to some high level, you know, clinicians, some physicians, some trainers, you know, some trained coaches. Like it's going to help you sharpen your skill set, right? Um, now, I think one of the things you mentioned in your your questions, Chase, I'm going to keep, I'm just going to keep asking my own questions. Let me keep this going. Yeah, yeah. This was how you work with someone who has a different skill set than you or a different like kind of uh, treatment philosophy than you. And uh, that's something that you're going to get exposed to when you're doing stuff in a residency because you're going to see like, how do I get someone ready like today to play? And it's you're not thinking, OK, like my six month return to sport thing. So you're going to pick things up and you're going to learn and uh, you're just going to be able to like have that context that's going to help you. It's going to help separate you from your peers in terms of how am I actually making sure that I am a, like, I'm a expert in this domain and whether it's, you know, just generalized sports or if it's more just like, Hey, I'm, I'm a soccer PT, I'm a baseball PT. You know, how do you make sure that you are putting yourself in that best role? And I think the residency fellowships help you help you do that. Right. It's also going to force you to read a lot to uh, you're going to have a lot of stuff on your plate from projects and standpoints. So you learn time management, which you know, that's pro sports is a ton of time management. Uh, 
especially in the past year with, you know, how, how do you run a professional sport during a pandemic? Like you have to learn how to multitask a lot. You have to learn how to, you're always doing three or four things at once. So, um, it's going to challenge you in ways that are going to help you, uh, take on those bigger roles later in life. All right. Well, I think, you know, thank you for answering some questions that I forgot I even asked. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I really appreciate you coming and, you know, really t- taking some time to kind of explain to people or, you know, to kind of t- tell people like what it takes to be in, in pro sports. And I really appreciate you just coming on and chatting with us. And with that being said, that is, this is the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Huge shout out to Blair Bundy, Milwaukee Brewers Director of Player Health, for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you learned anything new, enjoyed our guests, or want to hear more episodes from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.